Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hello, Al Pellets. Welcome back to another session here of Al Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are thrilled today to be trying out a little something different uh, here on the podcast. We have gathered up a bunch of experts and friends and colleagues from around the country in the profession to talk, uh, have a roundtable discussion. And I don't know if you all heard about this or not, but there's this little thing called COVID that happened here in, in uh, 2019. 19 and 2020, and it impacted all of our lives. And so joining Becky Haddad, Mike Ritalik, and myself, Brian Myers, here at uh, Owl Pellets, we've got four of our friends, and we're going to let them a chance to introduce themselves. So Cassie, why don't you get us started off? Thanks, Brian. My name is Cassie Smith, and I'm an assistant professor at the University of Idaho. And I had the opportunity to work on a research project with some of our undergraduate students surrounding how COVID might have affected teachers and their technology use and how they were implementing curriculum in their classroom. So I'm happy to be here. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Reagan Ramage. I'm a recent graduate of Louisiana State University, and I'm currently entering my first year as an agriculture teacher at Santa Mall High School here in Louisiana. And last summer, I had the opportunity to speak with some early career teachers in the state of Louisiana, where we got to understand and have a better insight into their experiences teaching and coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Aaron McKim. I'm an assistant professor at Michigan State University. Uh, I'm thrilled to be part of this roundtable discussion. My role, I feel like, is just to say the words pivot and unprecedented as much as possible. And so that's what you'll hear from me. Uh, but I worked on a project with Dr. Tyson Sorensen. We explored some of the challenges that ag teachers experienced as they went through the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, and I'm Dr. Tyson Sorensen at Utah State University. As uh, Dr. McKim just mentioned, we worked on this paper together, um, looking at those challenges that, that ag teachers faced during the pandemic. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. And, and as Aaron pointed out, we should have told everybody to get out your COVID bingo cards to make sure that you can, you can, you can get all those terms uh, just, just right as you go, go across their unprecedented pivot and all the, all the key things to go from there. So... I think to kind of get us started off, and, and again, we're going we're gonna to do what we do in Al Pellets, have some fun here, but it's a serious conversation, a serious topic that we talked about. We, we've, we've come through a really challenging times, and when we sit here today doing this recording, we're kind of what we think is the tail end of, 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 this, of the situation moving on to, to seeing to the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But from your all's work and what you guys have seen individually, what are some things that, that maybe have really stood out to you all on how ag teachers manage this challenge of COVID-19? I'll say in my investigation, we actually focused on those early career teachers. And one of the largest essentially management strategies that really arose was they all referred back to their age. They felt that that gave them a benefit and they utilized that to use online platforms. They utilize Zoom, Blackboard. Um, some of those are some really common strategies that they shared with us. 
our research paired really well with the comment that Reagan just made about age, that we ended up finding that our older teachers who maybe never would have used technology and had kind of thought, well, I'm too old for this. I'm just going to do what I do until I retire, were forced to use some platforms that they weren't familiar with. And we just came from our ag teacher conference where, you know, we have 32 year ag teachers who are fluent in Flipgrid and Lookit and Kahoot. And it's really kind of changed the way they look at being in the classroom and technology. I think it's an, it's an interesting kind of um, point of that, that the COVID-19 pandemic has, has brought to light this ability to change, ability to, to adopt new tools, but the ethos of agricultural education is still hands-on instruction. And so as we look ahead, what are those seem like they might be incongruent. So we've got all these new cool applications, but then we've also got this pure, like we love to get our students motivated through hands-on instruction. I'm not really sure where we go with that. I think that's what? a good in that when they, when they came back to the classroom, there was the, now we know how to use all of these things and how do we implement them. And so I think the education moving forward really is how to pair those two things successfully, the hands-on education and the technology tools that now everybody kind of has in their bag ready to use. So I think that's a challenge for us as teacher educators. It's a challenge for in-service. It's a challenge for professional development as we move forward. And, and as we think about those as tools, I think one of the key things to, to remember too is that all of those skills that we've learned and different technologies are just that, they're tools. So they don't necessarily replace good instruction. And we have to be intentional in how we adapt and modify uh, those things. And kind of one of my rule of thumbs when I, when I think about technology and, the, and those types of adaption is don't let the technology get in the way of the learning. So how do we do utilize it to help enhance and, and, and improve instruction and it's improve student learning without it getting in the way of, of what's taking place. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the things that we had uh, talked about in our research paper was also the technology. Some people don't have access and, you know, can use the technology like everyone. And so it kind of creates some inequities if we're not, you know, moving forward. We just need to be thinking about that as well. We had in our study, we did uh, both a spring study during the middle of COVID. And then we also did a fall study. And one of our most surprising findings was the massive increase in one-to-one -one device access for our students. Idaho's a really rural state. Sometimes we joke that there's rural and then there's Idaho rural, which means you're two hours from any other humans. And so there was really the use of some of those good COVID funds to help students get better device access and to get better connectivity to some of our rural schools is I mean, I don't think there was anything that we could say was fantastic about COVID, but that was a benefit of having to go through COVID. Reagan, something I've been curious, your, your conversation was with early career teachers. And one of the things I, I've been worried about is teachers got all these new tools and now they want to do that on top of everything they did pre-COVID. And I'm especially concerned about that for early career teachers. You talk about retention being a, a motivating factor for your research. In the conversations you had with early career teachers, did that come up like, yeah, I know I learned how to do that, but I don't have to always do that whenever we get back? Yeah, so we actually had some unique participants, and one of those was the teacher from the Louisiana School of the Deaf and the Blind, and she actually shared about that because she not only had to compile how do I adjust my technology, but she's used to having her students on campus five days a week. And so she had that extra layer. And that's something that she directly spoke about. She said, I, I couldn't do FFA things. She said, I had to prioritize and I realized that I was a teacher first. And then I kind of piled on those extra activities. 
Um, also a really unique component, and I'd be interested to hear y'all's perspectives, but some of our participants were early career teachers and they were at new programs. And so they not only had the stress of the COVID-19, but they also had the stress of building their numbers throughout that to kind of maintain their funding and position. Yeah, so the challenge of not only learning how to teach and managing the, the pandemic, but trying to recruit and bring people into your program. And Aaron mentioned earlier, we've, we've built so much of what we do hands-on and you can't do any of that. So through all those challenges, what are some things we thought teachers do to address that? Yeah, this is something I found interesting too, was a lot of ours really emphasized utilizing that SAE component. And they thought that the SAE was going to grow tremendously. That's where they kind of emphasized they were going to get that hands-on aspect because they didn't have those students in the classroom. But actually, we recently had state convention and it, we didn't have a lot of proficiency awards. And so it was kind of interesting to see that they were very gung-ho last summer, like this is what we're going to do. And then kind of a year out, it didn't seem that that necessarily was the case and what actually happened. So I love that you said that, Reagan, because we had a conversation about this a couple of days ago with a group of ag teachers that while they really kind of thought that that SAE component would be bigger, and we talked about proficiency awards, that they said that their students who maybe didn't have award-worthy SAEs was where their SAE growth really happened. And so I hope that can stimulate for teachers the importance of making sure that every student has an SAE, whether that's award-worthy or not, is maybe less important than the fact that those students can get that hands-on application of learning. I'll go ahead and say it. So I'll be the one that gets in trouble and you guys can deny even knowing that this was said, but maybe our award system doesn't recognize and, and, and award the most important aspects of supervised ag experience programs. There, I said it out loud. We have a beeper system that'll be beeped out. <clears throat> I'd love to know from Tyson and Aaron a little bit more about the challenges that teachers faced in COVID and what that said underlying about challenges that they will continue to face now that COVID's kind of receding a little bit. Yeah, I, I, in, our, in our study, we identified um, a number of different challenges. We kind of mapped those out toward the the end of the research in this visual model. And, and we, as we did that, we found there were three cross-cutting themes. One you would expect is instructional quality. So first and foremost, a good teacher uh, providing hands-on quality learning experiences for students. The second was communication. And so I think that's a piece of, of a conversation for ag teachers looking ahead is how do we ensure that we have resilient forms of communication with, with students, and with parents as well, not only disseminating information, but getting information from those stakeholders. And then the third one was student motivation. And I think, I know that's not a secret, but what are we doing to motivate all students within our programs? Not just those who are you know, going to every FFA event, but how are we motivating all of the students uh, so they're you know, engaged in our learning opportunities, um, not just through FFA, but certainly that could be a mechanism from each of you, you know, we've talked about some things that we've embraced as far as seeing teachers embrace the idea of SAE and instruction, communication, and motivation. What were some things that folks let go? And were there things that you saw that might not be coming back as we move into a more normal academic year? I think that silence is telling too many of us, don't let things go. <laughs> yeah. Ag teachers, no, we have a lot of great traits, but letting things go is sometimes <laughs> not one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know that we had anyone say that they were intending to do less work after COVID, even when they got an excuse to. So, 
Yeah, it, that's a real interesting question. And, and again, we, I don't think we found anything where teachers said they were letting things go, but we kind of almost brought to light something I think that's really important. And that is what makes a teacher happy? What, what gives them job satisfaction? And when the pandemic hit, we realized there were things that were taken away from their jobs that is critical to their job satisfaction. We saw job satisfaction plummet. And so I don't think the question is, what do we take away? It's what do we keep through this? I think that COVID for a lot of teachers forced a hard look at why they do what they do. I think for some of our teachers who maybe would admittedly overemphasize CDEs, and I don't want to use the term banner chaser, but I will. Um, But I think that it allowed them to refocus and to take a a look at why they do what they do and what their program looks like in terms of a three-circle model. So I got to see some cool self-reflection in teachers and, and in myself as well about why do we do what we do and how does everything getting canceled affect the way you view what you do on the daily basis? Yeah, it sure made teachers prioritize, I think, which is a real important thing. And I, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that comes to mind is how do we do business differently going forward? Do we have to, con- I mean, if we're going to continue to do everything that we've done and then add some, do we have to continue to do it the way we've always done it? And I, I think of this podcast, you know, we're sitting in how many different states. We have two people r- recording from their cars. We got people in their home offices, in their living rooms, in their work offices. So we're, we, we're spanning the gamut here. So how, that's just an example. How do we go about doing, doing some of the things we've always done differently to be more effective and efficient? I think knowing that we can be together apart is a big takeaway that, that can continue that knowing that, you know, we can reach out for help, even if you feel isolated. I think ag teachers, maybe some people have always felt like they were on their own and kind of isolated in their ag building. Um, And then COVID made everyone be like that. And so it became more okay to reach out for help. It became more okay to connect digitally with people who might not even be someone you would have reached out to before. We kind of forced digital interactions. I'm not saying that means that face-to-face isn't still important, but I think it helped everyone get more comfortable with reaching out when you feel like you're alone. We talk about priorities there. I think some of these students, and this sounds, it sounds um, so obvious, but I think a lot of teachers talking with them, it really helped bring home how much they value that relationship they have with their students. And, and again, they always knew that was important. And, and, I, and I'm not going to say that was at all, but I think even teachers that were excellent teachers that had strong relationships were surprised at how important interacting and connecting with their students was to them and their own well-being. And I think as they as they moved on, they 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 have become reinvigorated in that concept we talk about, you know, every student, every classroom, every day, and really connecting with their students as individuals. Um, so I think, you're, as you you know, Cass, I think you were the one that said it, it highlighted something they always knew, but just made it so much more evident and important to them with, with, with the struggles that they're trying to have. And I think to add on to that, the influence of those relationships on your quality as an educator, because from the, the, the bare basics of being in a classroom and, and saying something and have, seeing the students nod or seeing them engage, that was, that was lost. But then also building upon the relationships and what I learned about this student and that student and incorporating it within my instruction. I think you're exactly right. The, the relationships we build with students are part of our identities as teachers. They're also critical to making quality learning experiences. 
And I think we found that out as, as those relationships and that immediacy was taken away, um, the quality of instruction sometimes was more difficult to hold, withhold. We, we've, we've talked quite a bit about instruction and SAE and, and maybe even got on the fringes of FFA as well. I'm, I'm curious about, and, and as ag teachers, we always, we always focus on the students and our instruction first, but I, I guess I'm curious if, and what you have all kind of picked up when it comes to uh, the teachers themselves or the teachers supporting teachers and, and this idea of self-care. What, what nuggets um, have you kind of learned and realized as we as you started to look at it from that perspective. Tyson, you wrote a little bit about this in our paper, and I, th I thought it was very poignant of when teachers, students, when, when your students are going through a very difficult time, teachers internalize that struggle. Um, they feel to some extent the, the fears, the concerns, the stresses that their students feel. And so I think that was for me very enlightening to read about research that says during pandemics during difficult situations like this, parent or, or teachers take on all the stress of being a human during those times, plus all of the stress, guilt, anger, frustration that their students or some of that that their students are taking on. I don't know if you expand on that a little bit, but I thought that was a kind of a unique aspect to, to parse apart. Well, Ike, you did a great job ex explaining that concept. Um, any of us, I mean, all, all of us listening to this podcast, as teachers, we we care deeply for our students, and so yeah, we we do take on those those stresses that they feel, and so um, that 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 I think was one of the real challenges of this pandemic. Really, was uh, those extra psychological stresses that we all had to to bear. I think we had a, a couple of open-ended questions in our spring instrument that allowed to kind of just you know, brain dump what they were thinking and feeling. And we got so many responses that were, I just miss my kids, or I'm worried about my, my kids. Um, and I know that that's something that was hard on teachers this spring, but I think it helped them appreciate that more than when they were face-to-face -face in the fall. Um, in the fall, the teachers that were still on a hybrid model still felt that stress, and we could very much see that in their responses. And then the ones that had the opportunity to be face-to-face -face, um, seemed to that that stressor was something that they were able to let go of. So I'm, I'm hopeful that as we transition back to what whatever the new normal looks like, that that might be something that gets better for teachers. And I think something too, I know kind of to wrap that component up, I've had the opportunity to see our site convention and our ag teachers are finally getting to interact from being away from each other from so long. And it's so nice to see the genuine conversations and you can tell that these individuals truly have missed each other. And so I think that kind of was a benefit in disguise that it, it kind of helped in a sense, they built stronger connections and then getting them to see each other again in person um, has been something that's been really exciting for me to be able to watch kind of with that outside perspective. I, I love that the what absence makes the heart grow fonder looks like in the ag teacher world as you start to see each other and appreciate each other differently. We've got our, our summer PDI next week and I'm thinking of what, what music can I play to represent the running into each other's arms as ag teachers as we <laughs> embrace as one finally to celebrate uh, succeeding through this pandemic. I, if you have recommendations on what playlist I'd be happy to, to take those. I know at State CDE in early June, when we got to have all of our contestants on campus, in my head, Chariots of Fire was just playing over and over. All I know, Erin, if I was going to be the one running, it would have to be something slow 
in a very long song because it would take me a long time to get to get there to run up that far and I don't run very fast. You know, th this has been great. We, we've gone through this, this experience and I, and I, like I said, we've got what, two, four, six, seven different states represented here, work that we've done and, and the experiences that we had. I think the, the big message here is that we did some amazing things during this time. This, this was a challenge. It was hard. Um, we had to, to uh, really get back to what was some of the most important aspects that we we're trying to do. You know, I was able to be a part of a project where we did a, a hands-on STEM-based plant sciences, floriculture-based workshop by distance. It was not ideal. We were not never planning to do that, but we set up labs and were able to do the hands-on by distance. And even though there we, we taught the content and we learned a little bit about building those relationships, there are still some things that were missing from that experience. And so I, I think we, we've been able to show that we can teach the content in a lot of different ways, but there may be more to the secret sauce that is school-based ag ed that we want to get back to to do that. Y'all, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. There's so much more to do. And so this is the teaser. We're going to take a break right now because we've been here for over 20 minutes and we're going to break and have a part two of this. And so this, I think, is an Owl Pellets first. We've had such excellent conversations that we're going to take a break and we're not going to let y'all go anywhere. And we're going to, we're going to do a part two. So all you out there in our pellet land, we encourage you to uh, stay tuned and look forward to part two of COVID-19 Ag Teacher Edition. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Our Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Our Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. This is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.